In today's episode, we have the conclusion of the buying 78 apartment units in 18 months with Mr. Mike Everett. Let's go! Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey gang, how's it going? Russell Westcott here. So sure hope you're having yourself a wonderful day. And I hope you've had a chance that you've just maybe, if you're listening to this after the fact, after it was released, you're maybe coming directly from the first episode with Mr. Mike Everett, and you're just jumping in both feet first into this next part. So I'm going to keep the opening intro and context for this one very tight. I think I did a really good job of setting it up in the last episode, which was episode 110. This is episode 111, and it is the conclusion to the interview with Mr. Mike Everett, where we talked about buying 78 apartment units in 18 months. All right, guys, please, let's just get after it. All right, welcome back, guys. So we're here with Mike, and you know, like every other interview that I've been doing here, it's this is turning into it's going to be like probably a three or four part series. Um, so are you okay if we do schedule some more time to get together? Absolutely. Right. Does all you have to do is come to the studio, and we'll just turn on the turn on the cameras, and the way we go. Sure. Uh, before we changed over the batteries and things like that, and the cameras, you mentioned the, this thing called the Ready Binder, and you and I have had some conversations about that. So you've taken a lot of your diligence and your diligence systems and you've put it into, and you're developing, it's still early in the development phase, but you're developing a diligence system, which I would imagine the amount of diligence you do is one of the best presentation tools you can show to people is all the, the background work that you've done. So maybe just give a little bit of background about the type of diligence you do and what this Ready Binder is. Uh, Ready Binder, well, Ready stands for Real Estate Due Diligence Investing. It's a binder port. Basically, it's like a, kind of an Excel sheet on, on steroids mm -hmm. when you do your due diligence. Because typically when you go to multifamily or single residential, uh, if you're buying investment property, the uh, the realtors will put out, you know, performa numbers mm -hmm. and, you know, they'll set a certain amount of electrical, hydro, utility, or all the utilities at a certain amount and insurance at a certain amount. The taxes are usually the previous year's taxes. It's never right. the current year's taxes or the forecast taxes. Because in multifamily, the net income is determines the value of the building, right? Right. So a lot of times these guys will, they will do these, I call them artificial cap rates, like where they'll address it so it, it addresses a certain market cap. And then they always like, it's actually a premium when you actually divest or do whatever things. The rents are usually lower than what they are. The expenses are higher than what they say. And that actually lowers the value of the building. So when you do due diligence, you have to confirm every single piece yep. in, like, you know, in that document. And when you do that, you're, you're protecting yourself and your investors, if you mm -hmm. have investors, that what you're buying is, is going to perform the way you've seen it. And it's during that due diligence process that you can identify other opportunities as well. Um, that 20 unit building mm -hmm. I told you about, there was a, a five bay garage in the back that they were using for personal storage. Well, one of our conditions on our subject when we offered on it was they to remove all the garbage. I mean, they call it mm -hmm. building stuff that they can use to fix on the building, but it's really just, it was all the, there was six tons of material in that back. Wow. The back garage. They failed to remove it. I removed it myself. So that's why I know it's six tons. I went and loaded it. Yeah, it was fun. But what it was, it's that's, you know, those garages will rent out probably $200 a month. You look at the U-Haul storage place, there was like, uh, or the storage place probably down the road for $300 a month, you get a place that's half the size of what those garages are mm -hmm. for $300 a month. So I just, conservative estimates, so $200 a month times five, it's $1,000 in a 5% cap market. It's a quarter million dollar value add wow. on that garage alone. 
Yeah. So like say due diligence provides opportunities. So when you're when you're writing, and then I write this business plan. So my report, the JV report or that binder report, it's kind of like a business plan for the building to the bank. Right. So that you can establish that you know what you're doing. So I go through the economic fundamentals of the area I'm buying. So I go, I do Alberta. Yeah. So I pick Alberta, and then I do pick the city, and then I pick the neighborhood, and I break down the reasons why I'm there. Right. You know, sorry if I'm going to put you on the spot yeah. here, and feel free to say no. Is uh, would you be able feel comfortable if we actually would post an example of one of these reports for everybody? Would that be if people could just download and look at it? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's no problem. Like I maybe I'd give it a frame. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, just like the frame of what I use. Yeah. And because it's what's it's what the binder report does, right? It right. does it for you. And then basically you have appendixes where you're you basically you have your number sheet, which is one part of it, mm-hmm. but your diligent background why you're there, and then you identify that every building's got warts. Yeah. So I identify it, I'm transparent yeah. about it to the bank. So and, and you know, you can and you can probably not you not show the bank, but one mm-hmm. time you're wrong one time and they find out about it. Right. And you know about it, your credibility's gone. And so. you were saying that your last application for a loan was what was it, seven hundred and some how many pages was the the documentation? They, they average between we'll call it 200, 280. Right. But that like it's exhaustive. Like yeah. like it, it takes it takes me just to write it, and that's all your personal information, like all your banking yeah. records, all your like everything is in this. Like you could assume identity with this document. It's a very private document. Like mm-hmm. so, when you give it to that bank, you got to make sure it gets to the bank. Right. So they could assume identity with identity theft and that. So that's my cop. Yeah. <laughs> so. Like, like it's a very personal document, right? So it, like in net, net worth statements, cash flow statements, like it, everything, it details everything. Your T4s, your, your NOIs, your the your other rental property comparison, the last yep. five year comparison. It, it gives everything. Right. So, so in order to play with the big leagues, you got to step up, right? Yeah. You got to you got to start playing in the big leagues, right? Yeah. Sorry for the analogy. Yeah, no, it's great. But the great thing about it, the system, like last year, like the, the, these eight properties, I saved half a million dollars. Right. In down payments, I've got fifteen percent down. Uh, on, a, on three or four buildings, three so, or four buildings, I've got forty-year amortization. I've never got less than thirty-five-year am mm-hmm. on any of the buildings because. So it, think about it. You're de-risking not. it for the yes. bank. Yes. So as we all know, in the interviews we've done with the banks, the less risk, the better easier terms, to go easier to get, better terms, better cheaper money. So you're de-risking it for the bank. Yeah. The last year we've got through all our buildings are in Edmonton or CMHC approved. We got through on the first time. And the bank actually argues on our behalf to CMHC, wow. which is pretty, it's a pretty cool thing. And, you know, I would imagine because in the world of commercial financing, there's fees attached to the broker putting together all this package to go shop it to the, the lenders, right? Yeah. So you're making it easier for the broker My to broker go shop it. My broker loves it. <laughs> right. He actually, like, I, I've actually got tired of doing it. And then the last deal, I'm like, do you really, do you need a binder report? He's like, hell yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. I mean, I did it, but I was just, I was so tired. Like there's so much work yeah. uh, that goes into it. Like it takes a while, right? So, and it is the Achilles heel. Like in a hot market, I have to adjust because right. right now in the Edmonton's a recession. So I've been able to get away with the long, mm-hmm. the longer closing periods. Mm-hmm. But I think in a hot market, I'm going to have to adjust and uh, maybe not do CMHC on the first one, use private money. Right. Like, so, I mean, close so on it, then refinance after. You're always evolving. But right. when you do that, you know that you're leaving money on the table because you got to pay upfront uh, mortgage fees and carrying costs, interest only. Like, yeah. so you're, it's like that fault economy when you're just paying interest only, you're not paying anything down. You even shared when we had lunch the other day, you shared a story about that in this diligence, you were able to identify. An over usage of water oh, on, one of, yeah. <laughs> on, on that, and you were able to get that information before you even bought it, which then corresponded to a lower down payment. Or 
maybe share that I, with me. There was a, uh, the building we bought was really high water bills. It was like extraordinarily high. It was like 550 cubic meters a month. It's a 15 unit building. And it was like, it was weird. So, but I knew the owner had just changed all the toilets out. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, so you would go from the old 12 liter flushes to like four and a half liter flush. So, I mean, that's going to be a big difference in water. But there was a, uh, a leaking pipe in the uh, boiler room. Yeah. Uh, basically, it's a little pipe that comes down, and it there was about an inch between the pipe and the the drain. Yeah. So basically, it dropped was in in the building for an inch, mm-hmm. and then went into the drain. Okay. And then I did uh, my engineer actually located it when he was doing the inspection, and from, he gave me a little video. And from that video, I was able to calculate the volume flow. Now I think it was like two thousand three hundred forty liters per month. So 2,400 liters per yeah, month of, yeah. of wasted water. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then I, so I basically fixed it. The seller fixed it. He's actually another rain member. He's actually got a pretty good reputation. Yeah. Anyways, he fixed it. So his cost was like, it was probably a hundred bucks to fix it. So it wasn't like a big, big yeah. cost. But then I did the, I did reverse, did the calculations because the EPCOR in Edmonton mm-hmm. gives you basically the cost for everything. Yeah. So just based on the volume flow analysis, you can just, it's just do the math and just do calculate, calculate, calculate. And I think I calculated within plus or minus uh, five cubic meters mm-hmm. of what it should be. And then actually, the narrow, and then and so the very next bill that came in while we're doing the process, because they say it's longer, but CMHC actually confirmed my numbers and I raised, they raised the value by $136,000. A hundred. So, and that's 136000 on the lending value. Yeah. So, lending, the way lending value works. So, if you have a, a million dollar building you're buying mm-hmm. and you have your 25%, 250000 down. But CMHC comes back saying it's only worth nine hundred thousand. Yeah. So that hundred thousand different spread comes off your down payment, and then you only have putting a hundred fifty thousand dollar payment on a nine hundred thousand. So you're actually only putting fifteen percent down. Yeah. Or whatever the percentage is, and then they add they add the premium on, right? Yeah. So you're actually responsible for that spread on top of what your down payment is. So that potentially I could have put that I, I would have had to come with one hundred thirty six thousand on top of my twenty five percent or yeah. whatever percentage they put down. So, but they actually raised the value and then it allowed us to close the deal. Holy moly, mind so, blown. It was, it was very cool the way so it worked. I actually have the headline. I have the headline if you actually want to write this as a sales line. How you can fix one inch and generate $136,000 more in lending value. There you go. Right? If you think about it, yeah. you fix that one inch pipe and you've, you took the time. So guys, just wow. What a wonderful story on the lengths that you can potentially go to increase the values. Do you know right? LHE in Fort St. John? Nope. Her nickname for me is Drip. Okay. So... Among my friends, it's a joke now, right? So, right. And I'm thinking, I was all excited when I was playing it, but they all took it yeah. as a joke. I go, yeah. I go, call me Drip all you want. I saved $136,000. Yeah, in, in down payment capital. Yes. What would the valuation of, so the valuation obviously went up because in the multifamily world, you know, every dollar you increase income goes up and a saving of $1 is the exact same as an yeah. increase of a rent. Well, in Edmonton market, it's about 5% cap. So yeah. for every dollar you save or yeah. you increase net income by other reduced expense or increased income, Goes up by twenty bucks. Right. The value goes up by twenty dollars. So it's that it's that five to one. The five percent cap is mm-hmm. reverse ratio is twenty to twenty over one. Oh my! So wow, this guy knows what he's talking about, right? So one of the conversations that I wanted us to get into, and this was another conversation we had at uh, you know at lunch at Boston Pizza over there, and, and you know we're first going to put a caveat on it as guys, you know, we're both not going to sit here and, and express that we're the end all be all the experts of this. We're both actually going through. The same process of learning about raising capital from in private markets. And guys, once you start going past family and friends and accredited investors and all these kind of different things, it's a different animal and you need to be protected. New laws. Yes. This stuff, even family, friends, business associates, it's called. That exemption, 
there's still requirements under the securities laws. Yes. Offering memorandum exemption, and then there's a credit investor exemption that there's you have to be able to prove that you're credit investors. Yeah. Uh, number one, they're very clear about that. You have to be able to prove it. So you have to take notes, and you're going to make sure you do your document mm-hmm. to how they did it. And they just can't say they're a credit investor. And you're like, oh, okay, that's great. And then just do it. And then there's the risk disclosure forms now. Yes. And I, all the reason I know that because I just finished I finished the course. Right. So we're going to get into that now. So friends and family, you know, close personal relationships, things like that. What do you need to get as the real estate expert from me? Let's say we're, we're close friends. I have the capital. What documentation do you need to get from me in order to move forward with a potential deal? We really have to sign anything, those kind of things well? As well? the agreement. You, you, mm-hmm. you do the agreement. You have going, a joint venture agreement. Joint yeah. venture agreement yep. or a shareholder agreement. Yep. And in the terms of your agreement is what you do is I like say I, I put it so they get their money out first and then mm-hmm. we guess and then with the capital we put in the beginning that comes out next and then we split up the profits right yep. so so there's the biggest thing uh, I guess with friends family benefit and business associates like because the trust is already there yeah but it's still risk disclosure yes so you have to kind of go over risk disclosure and that's where I say I want to improve so like you, you always do it verbally but you want to mm-hmm. have that written record of it and right. they, there's actually a national instrument 45106. On the securities, they actually have forms that you can do that risk disclosure with. Okay. It's already pre-formatted. You just press print and just fill it out. So say that again slowly. Again, where's that document? Uh, BC Securities Commission. Yeah. It's uh, National Instrument 45106. And then it's form. And there's like a, I think form 12 is like credit investor. Form 6 mm-hmm. is like friends, family, business associates. Yeah. And then maybe thinking form. Anyways, there's another one for eligible investors that are yes. offering random exemption. Okay. And there's different rules around each, which qualifies as, as each one. So you have to, you know, so you basically just, you got to write notes and then when you, the way you do it, it just makes life easier. And then it bulletproofs you, right? So right. if something bad happens and then there's a complaint to the Securities Commission, that's generally how it happens. Mm-hmm. When complaints go in, it's because someone lost money. And then when they come in, they'll talk to you and you basically show them your documentation. They says, yeah, we went over this, we went over this. It kind of, it protects you yeah. and protects your reputation. Yeah. So really at the bottom line, a lot of these things, they're just there is that to prove that you've disclosed to your investor that there are risks, yes. there things can go wrong, and that they feel comfortable getting involved with this, and that they just didn't buy into a really slick pitch, yeah. in, in essence. Yes. So you talked about some terms called you know, eligible investor. What's an eligible investor? Eligible investor. Now, each province, just an FYI, each province has different rules and regulations. A lot, they're, of, they're, a lot of them are standardized, but Ontario, are. Ontario yeah. seems to be different on a lot of things, and okay. there's like, Alberta is a little bit different. Like mm-hmm. it was like BC was like there's there's like a, a cluster like BC Yukon Northwest Territories. Yeah. I think Saskatchewan was in there. Like say confirm everything. Mm-hmm. I think they're kind of more liberal on it. But it's uh, so it was eligible. It's it's by either by income or by net assets. Right. Net assets is four hundred over four hundred thousand dollars net assets. Okay. And income it's uh, seventy five thousand dollars a month for an individual or as a couple as you and your spouse at one hundred twenty five thousand dollars. Okay. So that gets and the reason I know this because I'm writing the exam next week. So right. I'm, like I've really studied on this. So we're doing this. You, there's a document that you would get me to acknowledge and these that's, things, and that's through the offering memorandum exemption. So you, and then offering memorandum has its own set of rules that you have to when you fill it out. Mm-hmm. And that's actually my ready binder. Like I used to call it JB binder report, but it's going to, it's going to morph into more of an offering memorandum side. Right. So it's going to be electronic notes as well. So okay. like it's course is kind of, it's got causing me to pivot. Like say you, you mm-hmm. pivot every, you know, you learn new stuff and you pivot and you just, you, you just incorporate yeah. it. Right. So it's new information for me. So I'm, I'm going to incorporate it into my report. So really what you're just doing is you're just documenting everything no, yes. no different than law enforcement with your notepad yes. and all your notes and, notes. and he, as they say you know i had a, a friend who was a roommate that was actually a, a 
in law enforcement. And he said he was more admin work than actually law enforcement work. Right? Yes. So, so you're just documenting the entire process. You're documenting all the risks and you're getting acknowledgement from the person that you're working with that if you ever came down to, you know, down to the, the fact that you had to prove that you shared all the risk, if things went totally south, right? And, you know, the poop went through the fan and it went through the fan that you could sit there and go, you know, I, I shared all of the documentation and here's my notes about what I did to share with the risks that can yeah. happen. Excuse laws exist to protect the markets, like the integrity of the markets. Mm -hmm. And that's why they do this. I kind of disagree with them that exempt market, like they call the exempt market risky because mm -hmm. they don't have any control over it. And that's where it's probably where a lot of fraud guys and the slicksters, as you, as you call it, uh, operate. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I get why they do that, but they look at real estate as a high risk. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, yes and no. Mm -hmm. I can say you can mitigate your risk to next to nothing if you do your due diligence. Yes. But you have to do your due diligence. So in my mind, I disagree with their the risk profile, but in their and but that's the way they treat it. So mm -hmm. you just you gotta go by the way they treat it. Yeah. Now you, you mentioned something uh, offering memorandum. For people that might not know, what is an offering memorandum? Offering memorandum is a way to raise capital yeah. uh, from eligible investors and accredited investors. It's basically, it's like you're trying to put, it's short of a prospectus. A prospectus gets registered with the Securities Commission. Okay. So they're cumbersome and expensive and they require, uh, like there's certain filings you have to do, like mm -hmm. every quarter, every annual audit reports, every quarter you got to put uh, statements into the Securities Commission and to all your shareholders and that. Uh, offering memorandum is uh, less stringent. It's not reviewed by the commission. Mm -hmm. like, it's just basically, you have to cover this documents. And once you raise capital, I think you submit it to the commission, but they don't regulate it. They don't administer it, so to speak, is the same on the same level as prospectus. Prospectus, like you can trade those securities in the public market. You can, like, you know, it's stock exchange and everywhere mm -hmm. else, where in the private placement market or exempt market, it's usually even restrictions on resale. So mm -hmm. like the higher risk, you can't get rid of the assets. So that's one of the, I guess, the risk profile. Mm -hmm. When they identify exempt market as riskier. Is liquidity. Is liquidity. Tests, liquidity. Yeah. Liquidity test. Yeah. So they deem something that's not as liquid to be more risky. Yeah. Because they want a consumer to be able yeah. to, if something is wrong, they want to get their money out tomorrow. Yeah. So. Right. And then talking about the eligible investor in this, and this we have to be careful because in, in some provinces like Ontario, like if you're an eligible, only an eligible investor, you can invest $10,000 on your own. Mm -hmm. And then I think if it's on your offering, it goes up. Verify this because I haven't really looked at the securities because I'm in BC. I haven't looked at Ontario. You can go up to thirty thousand, and then if you have advice of an exempt market dealer or uh, another dealer, like a securities dealer, uh, licensed dealer, you can go up to hundred thousand dollars. Like if you right. receive advice, but that's like you're kind of cut off, right? And that's once per year. Mm. So there's limitations of what you can do, and I kind of agree, kind of disagree with it. So if you're not a sophisticated investor or it's that, I, I agree that it protects you. But if you're you're trying to change your upper mobility, yeah. it, it makes it difficult because it, put, it puts constraint on it. So I kind of, it might be a charter infringement with the mobility rights. Mm. So it's, it's a balancing act. And yeah. I think they walk that fine line. So yeah. so needless to say, and I chuckle just Going inside. No, this is a very good conversation. Needless to say, this is a new rabbit hole, yes. right? And it's a deep rabbit hole. And one that I'm committed to getting, you know, exempt market dealers, I'm committed to get the best of the best to and interview all them. But I'm also, I'm just fascinated. I'm curious by the process because, you know, like I said earlier, is one of the things we want to do is we want to protect you, right? We want to protect everyone who's raising capital out there. We don't want you off doing, you know, things, you know, in public venues and people that you've never met before and you're offering, you know, referral fees and you're 
getting promissory notes from somebody you've never met before, or you're just asking them, well, how many bathrooms do you have in your house? Okay, check. I, I've, I know what they have for their, in their house. Yeah. And, and it's just, you know, we just want to do this above board, right? Yeah. But it is a deep, deep rabbit hole. Yeah. And you are taking your exempt market dealers. I'll, I'll be, I'll be, yeah, I'm doing my exempt market uh, professionals course. Yes. I'll be, so I'll be certified, but I won't get licensed because okay. become, like say, under the securities laws, if you're raising capital for your own, yeah. your own benefit, like if, if I was licensed and I'm raising capital for my own project, it's a conflict of interest anyway. So mm. there's no, and I, I don't want to be an exempt market dealer. Like yeah. I, like I want to raise capital for my projects, but I don't want to be like, so I'm okay. If I was licensed, I could raise it for myself. And I, you'd probably argue that you could do disclosure about it, but it's kind of a moot point. Like yeah. it cancels itself out. So it's like, I want to behave like an exempt market dealer because I know I'm following the law, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm not going to be licensed. I'm going to be certified, yeah. but I, I, I'll be an issuer. And I think and I'll, if, as an issuer, they call it issuer. When you're raising security or selling securities, or you're raising capital through the offering men around exemption, the credit, all the, the exemptions that are offered. You want to make sure it's, you know, you want to behave like that EMD or the exempt yes. market dealer. And then it's kind of like with bulletproofs yourself. It's good for your your integrity, and it's good for it's, you know. It just it's just better, like you know. And it's like if you do get audited, it's like almost like a reaffirmation that you're doing things properly, and it shouldn't actually enhance it. Be a competitive advantage out there because nice. you say I, you can say I've been audited, and but they don't only want to say that. So you need lawyer legal advice. Yeah, absolutely. I can see I can see I'm like seeing the tangents we're going off on here, and I'm like, yeah, you need legal advice, and there are, there are guys that. That specialize in this, like yeah, and lawyers. I, I'm are... making a commitment that we will get that because so we both can learn. Yes, right? absolutely. And I am also sensing that we're going to have another conversation after you've taken the test and you've gone through that process as well. We're going to have another conversation. All right, welcome back here, guys. Man, we're burning through memory cards like crazy here with uh, with my good friend Mike Everett. We've gone down some pretty deep and uh, deep topics. Uh, we've talked an awful lot about raising capital. We've talked about some structures. We've talked about how you can actually protect your investors, how you put your investors' needs first. We talked about how you protect yourself. Really, I'm framing this whole conversation into really, if you think about it, it could be the Kevlar conversation, right? And the protection of this and how do you operate as a real estate investor, okay? So we're gonna wrap things up here, but I just have two lines of questions left for Mike. And the first one is, so you've been doing this now for more than eight years. You've had a lot of success just recently. You know, you've probably made some mistakes yourself and you've seen Tons. and you've seen people make mistakes. What would be some of your best advice that you would share with somebody and some of the mistakes you've seen that have been made and just, you know, don't do this if that type of advice. Well, number one, you're gonna make mistakes. Yes. Just expect it. Yep. Work with it. Get ready to pivot. If you're gonna avoid making mistakes, you'll never actually pull the trigger. Mm. So you're gonna make mistakes and you're gonna do a thousand of them. It's okay. That's your best mm-hmm. learning. Yes. Whatever you read in a book or you read in, in courses and that, that's great when they go over it, because then you can avoid those mistakes. Mm-hmm. But you're gonna make all new mistakes. So just get you're guaranteed to make mistakes. I've made a ton of them. I've learned from them. Yeah. And I share them with people as much as I can. I'm trying to think of this ways of doing things, like refine it. Like I sold a house, uh, one of my coach houses, I ended up selling it to raise money. Mm-hmm. to buy multifamily uh, a year later the market went crazy yeah so like say the market indicators like you're always it's like you know so i i consider that as a big mistake because i could have actually refinanced the house with a new value got the same amount of money when i bought when i sold it mm-hmm. and stole not stolen the asset yes so you really got to evaluate when you sell an asset and the only time i my basic attitude is i only sell when i want to increase the asset class i mean i made the difference up my next purchase but I could have made more money if I would have just held on, refinanced. But you never know. Like hindsight's always twenty twenty. Yes. 
So, and that's one thing you're going to learn when you're making a mistake, you don't always know you're going to do it. You're doing it. So just expect that you're, it's going to come up. Just don't freak out and let it, let it discourage you. Just work your way through it, learn from it and you take advice from other people yep. and what they've done. And it's sometimes mistakes are funny and sometimes they're extremely punishing. I mentioned it earlier that one, the one tenant was a peace officer. So I gave her a lot of latitude mm-hmm. and she was the, it was the worst tenant I've ever had. Yep. Uh, which is surprising because that's family to me. Yeah. So, uh, and I got hurt. Mm. So $40,000 in damage to my house. And that's only what I knew about. There was a, a flood that I found out about afterwards, which is another, probably another two, three thousand dollars $3,000 in damage that she didn't disclose. Wow. Right. So. Hello, Scooby. So <laughs> it was actually yeah. quite quiet for the yeah. long, other than the very beginning. So, so this is live. We're, we're going to keep that in there, by the way. So before I do wrap it up, I wanted to just, ask you one more question and then we'll slowly wrap this up. Number one is what final piece of inspiration would you offer to somebody who is, you know, three types of people watching this, someone just getting started, somebody who has had some accomplishments and they've got a few under their belt and maybe looking for the next, and then somebody scaling. What would be your best piece of inspiration that you'd have if somebody's feeling a little bit stuck right now? Keep at it. Yeah. It's like drinking from a fire hose. Yes. There's so much information, there's volume in this, but you got to take one gulp at a time. Metaphorically speaking, and, yeah. you know, to quench that thirst, there's so much information. And the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. Mm. So if you ever think that you know it all, recheck your attitude. At the, like, you know, leave it behind, right. and because you don't know. I mean, I got 12 years of university. I'm still take every course I can. Uh, like, say, just finished exam securities. Like, I read a book. I probably two or three books a week. And the more I read, the more I realize I don't know. So, right. like, it's overwhelming. But you just got to keep at it. I probably go to an extreme. Uh, you don't need to go as far as I do, but you need to, to know what you're doing. Because when you know what you're doing and you put it all together, you recognize opportunities that everyone misses. Mm. And that's where you make your money. Right. Inform- like when I was talking about information as power, yep. everyone else skips over something and you like you swoop in, boom, you stabilize or you redo something and you, you, get, your, you get your money. And you you know if you buy properly, it buys you the next property. It's like Domino's Pizza. It's two for, or Panago or whatever. It's yep. like two for one. Right. I used to work from as Panagopoulos back in, in okay. the day. It was like two for one pizza. So I like I use that analogy. So that building I bought in Prince George's sixplex, that's a two for one analogy. Or when I refinance, get my money out, I'm going to get a second building for free. Mm-hmm. So it's two for one. Or I'm just going to take my money out. And I'm going to own that building for free and actually probably get paid to, to have bought that building. Wow. And then nice. I get cash flow forever until I decide to sell it. Mm-hmm. So when you buy, like you say, but knowing that information and knowing that opportunity and pouncing on it, so never stop learning. Even if you're not buying properties, if you're spending the time learning and doing that due diligence, like the due diligence also includes research. Yeah. It will identify opportunities for you later on. Yeah. I just heard some just recently that really resonated with me. It's not timing the market, it's time in the market. Yes. Right. So, you know, if you're not in the game, you can't win the championship. Timing's right? a big part of it. Like say aligning with investors with deals and that, like that's that's an art as well. So mm-hmm. but they say the best thing is like just Keep taking one gulp of that fire hydrant yep. water at a time, and eventually you're going to quench the thirst, and you actually might become bloated. <laughs> yeah. So well done. You know, and that's where you want to be. That's an okay position. Nice. So, so I just wanted to acknowledge and just thank you thank for you. taking time. This has, you know, been a couple hours out of your time to come here, and and for you to just so openly give and share just speaks volumes to who you are. I'm just very honored to see the progress that you've made. Um, one of the things that I always love to see is, you know, as I like to consider myself a teacher and an educator, and I often view the success, successful teachers 
are 100% relied upon the students on how well they do. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You're one of the best out there. And so, so I just I wanted to just acknowledge of all the work that you've put in and, and everything you have done. It's just, it's fantastic. So congratulations. That's a two-way street though. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been, I was in rain. It wasn't until recently we've, we've started talking personally, but I mean, I've watched you for eight years, mm-hmm. right? So I've never heard a neg- negative thing about you. So like credibility in my world. And for me, to vouch for someone is like a mafia saying he's a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. So like, so I've, I've watched you for eight years. No inconsistencies, that integrity thing I talk about, you got it. Oh. So I've learned from you like in the past, like, so like I've been the audience out there when you're up there teaching. So, you know, thank you. Okay. So it's so uh, you're part, of big, my, you're part of my inspiration. We're going to have a big bromance session here. So it's, it's funny. We're both having a hard time accepting a compliment. Right? It's just so part of who we are, maybe. Just humble. Yeah, it, it is. It's all about, and that's what we're trying to hear, uh, accomplish at the Raising Capital Academy is, is bringing more people like Mike out and just sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly and just, you know, inspiring people to take the next step. So once again, thank you, my friends. Thank you. Appreciate thank it. You. Thanks all for right. having me. Guys, Russell Westcott signing off. Remember, hashtag JV Jedi. And hook up with Mike if you get a chance to talk to him very shortly. All right, guys. Bye for now. Hey, hey, hey. So what did you think of the last two-part episode with Mr. Mike Everett? Wasn't that a wonderful conversation of just, you know, just an everyday guy, right? Just an everyday person that just took some massive action over a course of a year and a half. Somebody who just really leaned into the process. Somebody who just really took a massive amount of one step after the other that just took a massive amount of paying attention to the really small, minute details and just really leaned into it. What was the inspiring action you got from it? What was some of the tangible next steps that you learned from this process? Now, if any of you have been following along over the past couple years, yeah, we're probably over two, almost two years now into this podcast. If you've been following along, you've probably have seen an awful lot of a cast of characters, if you will. And I coined the term when I first recorded it, you know, the standing on the shoulders of giants interview series, where, you know, I've stood on the shoulders of some of the biggest giants in the industry, some of the people who I have learned from, and I've tried to be that one of those giants to share that information with you, to share that inspiring message with you, to be one of those giants, which you can stand on my shoulders. And one of the things I did over the past couple of years, if you're new to the podcast, you maybe heard about this thing called the Raising Capital Academy. Essentially, what I did for the past, um, geez, for 20 years of my core fundamentals and some of my core teaching, I poured into a program that talked about how do you build your team, how do you uh, time management, how the education within real estate, the attitude mindset, and how do you raise the capital. And I took a, a beta group of investors through this. I took most of my coaching clients through it. And it's been out, it's been tried, it's been true, it's been tested, and it has raised billions of dollars of capital. Now, I'm at a point now where I'm taking that program and I'm reimagining it and I'm putting it into a completely new process. And I'm going to be taking it into new platforms. It's going to be revamped is the best way I can describe it. Uh, But here's the thing. You don't have to wait for that revamp. I'm actually going to give one more chance access if anybody would like to join the Raising Capital Academy. Like right now, you can get access to the Raising Capital Academy for a one-time lifetime price. 
lifetime. Most places are subscription-based or every year you have to keep paying more or every month you just keep paying more and the more you use it, the more it costs. This one here is it's a lifetime model for the Raising Capital Academy that you get 100% access to all the content for a lifetime basis. Plus, if I bring out any new content for the Raising Capital Academy, I include it for free for all the members of that program. Here's a, a quick example. Um, I put an entire new section, two sections in there, one on private lending and another one on RSP lending. How do you, so I put an entire five modular program of training on how do you use people's RSPs. I included that. So everybody who was part of the Raising Capital Academy got that for free because that's what lifetime access means. So what I'm doing right now is if you're listening to this and in the show notes, there will be a link that I'm putting a promotion together where this will be the last chance that you will be able to get in for the lifetime price. Uh, the price has not gone up in two years. The price point and the pricing model will be changing. So there'll be a promotion that's coming out. The price will be going up. The pricing model will be changing and you will get lifetime access. Plus, I'm also going to be including live webinar training for either six or eight weeks. I have to finalize my calendar. It'll be over a two to three month period and there'll be some live handhold implementation training. So on top of the 18 recorded webinar trainings that have already been done, I'm going to add another six to eight more on top of it. So there'll be an entire list of benefits and bonuses and information on uh, the link in the show notes. I strongly encourage you, if you are on the fence or you've heard about this Raising Capital Academy, or you've maybe even gone to the webpage, or maybe we even had a consultation. If you're on the fence and you're looking for the best time to get in, this is the best time to get in because it's going to be revamped. It's going to be changed. It's going to be a completely different pricing model. It'll be a subscription base all kind of fun things like that. So if you like to get in at the legacy lifetime deal, this will be your opportunity. Okay, gang. So hope you have yourself a wonderful day. And remember, in every interaction you have with another person, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.